Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, today, America looks like it is uh, burning right before our very eyes. Um, our country looks like it's in the middle of a ridiculous civil war. And uh, there, there's just a lot uh, happening here that is causing a lot of um, chaos, um, uncertainty, uh, ridiculousness, um, uh, confusion and uh, just just all kinds of, of nutsy stuff going on. And so uh, I know that you all maybe have been watching CNN, MSNBC, uh, all the other networks as these Trump supporters have basically um, done some stuff that hasn't been done for at least a good 200 years. But uh, we also need to hear from black people. Uh, the, the black perspective is, the, the to me, the, as far as I'm concerned, that's the only perspective that matters. And um, And so we pulled together a panel, an intellectual chocolate, all black panel, to talk about some of these issues. And uh, the special guest that we have uh, tonight is Jeff Lightsey Jr. from the Black Boss Channel, uh, Mrs. Zakia. Zakia, Zakia, what, give, me your, um, give, me, give me your last name, Zakia. Zakia Sankara Jabbar. Z- okay, so just so you know, I might need like about three practices on that, but after I get it the third time, I'm going to get it forever. So, uh, so Mrs. Zakia, oh, yeah. that, that, that'd be a nickname for a little bit till I, till I know that I'm not going to mess it up. Uh, Mr. Uh, Tariq Abdul-Khalik, and uh, also, Madam President, aka Chanel Walker, uh, how's everybody doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Okay, so let's let's jump in and, and have a conversation about uh, what's happening here. Uh, everybody, get comfortable. Hit your thumbs up button. Hit the share button. Hit the subscribe button. Share this conversation because we got to know what Black people are talking about, not what everybody else is talking about. So um, let's start. I'm going to start with. Uh, I guess I'll start with um, Mr. Jeff Lighty Jr. So I know Jeff over on Ball Sports, you you do a lot of commentary every day. You hit racial topics and things like that. And I know you're very aware of what's happening in America, you know, just as a a young black man. Uh, What what did you see today? uh, You know, when you saw the Trump supporters climbing the walls, storming the Capitol, busting inside the Capitol building, everything else, uh, what goes through your mind? Oh, what goes through my mind is it's funny because you see a lot of these politicians say, this isn't who America is or this isn't what we do or this... And, and I like chuckle because this is what America does. This is what America is. This is this is what this country is was founded on was anarchy and craziness and storming the capitals, whether it was Boston Tea Parties or, you know, way, way back, way before your first president. So it was like this is this is just like a full 360, like coming back all the way around, you know, and, and it's funny to see all of that because. They were wondering, uh, you kept hearing people say, like, why isn't the president stopping this? It was because he incited it, right? Like, when you incite something, like, there's no way in hell you're going to stop something that you created, right? Like, if you wanted this to happen, you're saying that the elections are fake or the voter frauds and all this stuff, then, of course, these people are going to be upset. These people have shown that this is what they were capable of over the last four years. And it just finally came to a boiling point so they actually took over a federal building in our nation's capital. So, I mean, I not to say that it was good, but I did kind of chuckle a little bit and was kind of like laughing with, you know, like watching reality TV almost. How people laugh at us when they watch uh, Love and Hip Hop or whatever. This is kind of my uh, version of white people loving hip hop. So that's kind of how <laughs> White people loving hip hop. Yeah, I called it the Jerry Springer show. I, I, I don't know if, you, if y'all all watched uh, the old Jerry Springers when they would have, you know, toothless white people like beating each other up. Cause, cause they found out somebody else was the baby daddy or whatever, you know, like, you know, and, and I, I kind of like in my, in the back of my mind, I was hearing Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Um, 
Okay, so uh, you said a couple of interesting things. Uh, you talk, you mentioned that you think that Donald Trump incited this, that Donald Trump is the uh, person responsible for creating this whole mess of chaos. I want to ask the panelists across the board, uh, do you all agree with that assessment? If not, uh, the, let's start with the person who disagrees. Do you, do, if, if I say Donald Trump caused all this to happen, uh, is there anybody who would say, no, that's not true? Donald Trump did. Okay, so T... Uh, would be the one to say that Donald Trump did not cause it. So I, I would like to hear from you uh, next on this, brother. Uh, go ahead, T. Why do you think that Trump Trump isn't responsible for this? Oh, uh, first of all, can can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, not a new mic. Okay, perfect. No, I don't think Donald Trump is responsible for this. This is no different from four years ago when Trump won. You've seen liberals rioting and protesting the exact same way. I think the problem is, is the integrity of the elections. Um, that's that's the problem. And, you know, both liberals and conservatives are losing and, you know, losing integrity of elections. Now, I think Trump supporters are just upset that Trump lost. Um, they truly feel that it's robbed. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I'm very careful with this kingpin mentality that Trump is the reason why these protests are happening. You know, it's it's the same mentality that says the reason why America has become more racist because of Donald Trump. You know, it's that whole fear monger mentality that once Trump goes, everything's going to return back to normal, which is ridiculous to me, because all that's pretty much saying is that Trump is the cause of all corruption. And when he leaves is the end all be all. And to me, that just puts black people to sleep. No, we need to look at this corruption that's always been happening in our country. It's just not been put to the front. We we are so used to peaceful corruption is because we got complacent presidents who are very quiet and we have a media supporting complacent presidents who don't make noise. So, no, I'm not putting this on Trump. This is just people being upset. Okay. All right. So uh, let's jump to uh, the ladies. Uh, Mrs. Akia, I'll start with you. So, uh, so Jeff says that Trump Trump caused a lot of this. He incited this, uh, and in the, for the sake of diversity, which is great, uh, T comes back and says, "No, it's not Trump. It's bigger than Trump." Uh, what what say you? What 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 went through your mind as you saw all this happening, and, and what do you think caused us to get to this point in our country? Well, um, thanks, boys, for having me on. I think it's a little bit of both. You know, certainly um, Trump has certainly organized. I mean, anybody who follow him on Twitter. He's like, come to DC, January 6th. I mean, so he certainly organized or helped to organize people uh, to come. And uh, he hasn't let up, you know, in terms of his allegations of the election um, being uh, stolen. And I do agree to some extent that corruption has always existed and that the media and certainly the mainstream kind of discourse right now wants to pin everything on Trump. And I've, I felt the same way, like saying he's the worst president. And I'm just like, you mean worse than presidents who actually owned our ancestors? So I just think we need to put things into perspective, into the correct um, perspective when it, when it comes to this. Trump is a part of it, but he's not the end all be all. When people are giving him too much power. Um, the other thing that I think that's missing uh, from this conversation is the economic component. Um, you know, white folks are starting to experience what black people and natives and others have experienced for a very long time. And that's, you know, economic isolation and economic insecurity. Uh, COVID has certainly exacerbated things for black folks and folks who are already marginalized, but now white folks is feeling it. So, you know, these people feel like they're losing all the way around. 
You know, they 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 they're just feeling like they're losing. They feel like their hope, the great white hope in Trump. Uh, now, you know, they then took him out and he he's leaving. And so they feel a sense of loss. And so I am not surprised. The other thing I want to say really quickly is that we need to be very careful. If we think this is the end. These people are not finished. Um, this is not the end. I've been yeah. having private conversations, you know, with my own husband, because I actually live in this area. I'm, I live out in the suburbs of D.C. And um, I already knew I wasn't going into D.C. none this week. You know what I mean? And so we even had our local elected officials. My county executive sent out an a email early Monday morning telling us not to go into D.C. and the region and everything. Maryland sent state troopers in today and everything or um, uh, National Guard and everything like that. So. This is not over. The other thing, I'm not sure if people are aware, but these protests are organized on the government across the country. Governor Inslee in the state of Washington had about two to 300 protesters outside of the governor mansion armed uh, today. That was about an hour ago on the West Coast. Uh, it also happened in a couple of other states. So these people are very organized and this is not the end. And I think black people need to um, be ready. We need to be ready to actually defend ourselves. Not get in the between white folks fighting, but we need to be ready to defend ourselves. Mm, okay. So, uh, Madam President, uh, I'd like to come to you next. So, um, you know, so so a lot of uh, a lot of this chaos is going on. Um, Trump is is being Trump. You know, Trump is not a shy guy. He's got a lot to say. And um, I'd be curious to, uh, you know, I, I saw that Twitter I don't know. Did you give me a yes or no in the audience? If you saw this, did, give me a yes or no if you all knew that Trump's Twitter actually got shut down, which I thought was uh, unprecedented. Uh, you know, not presidented, unprecedented. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I, I never, I, I never thought I'd see the day that the president of the United States, it, it, even if he's a lame duck president, would have his Twitter shut down. Um, I wasn't sure how I felt about that uh, because it almost seems like that's. When you see your institutions going at each other like that, the U.S. government or the, the so-called head of the government fighting against you know a major corporation like Twitter who's saying, we don't think the president has the right to speak. It just seems that almost like it's it's becoming a, a war where people are uh, are are all participating in escalating the. Con I can't make I can't imagine this making things better. Uh, what do you think, Madam President? You know, just the Twitter thing as well as everything else. What goes through your mind? Well, Dr. Boyce, um, I first of all, thank you for having me. And, you know, good evening, everybody. First, I, like, I would just like to say that this is not the craziest thing America has done. Not at all. Okay? Not at Imagine all. selling a ship across the world and capturing black bodies, okay? And then exchanging them for things like sugar. They get really, really crazy, all right? Also, Trump is a product of America's... Um, image of white supremacy. This, this is their poster child. This is who they love. This is the person that they created. They love and adore him. I don't care what people say. If a liberal had to choose between um, Donald Trump, I believe, and some dark complected black man, I, I, they would choose Trump again and again and again because they love each other. That's what white supremacy is. Also too, he once called the Proud Boys, I think they have arrived, proud and ready to do anything possible to take over what they believe belongs to them. This is how this country became this country with corruption and um, just straight up anarchy anger and lack of um, lack of decency and respect for others and 
this is where we are. This is where we should be. And it's reference to Twitter. One of the things is, I mean, when the president of the United States is completely out of control, what I consider is <laughs> I think these people are at war with one another. And the thing about this war is it has nothing to do with black people. I do not think black people are prepared or ready for any kind of war. You cannot TikTok bullets. You cannot be praying <laughs> are coming when people are coming to you with bullets at your door. We're not prepared. We need land. We have no access to uh, to a lot of land. We have no access to laws. We have no access to judges. We have no protection whatsoever. No allegiance. No alliance. We have nothing. <laughs> you know, so I just do not believe that we should even try to pretend that we are prepared and ready for a war we are not okay okay uh well you know that, that's an that's a great point of view you know i think that it's um it, it's getting real extra real right now uh this you can't tweet your way out of this one i mean this is deeper than just you know uh what your twitter fingers can do and what we can you know do by praying to jesus in church and everything else and i and i think um i personally have wondered about that i i try to figure out okay so where do black people fit into all this and, I, and that's why I feel like it's important that black people have our own conversation before we get pulled into other people's conversation. And so one person who's great at having her own conversations on uh, on social media uh, and very intelligent with it is Miss Faye Bishop. And Faye has joined us tonight. So, Faye, um, let me let me ask you this, Miss um, Faye Bishop, uh, where do black people fit in this whole conversation? What what uh, what would you say to, you know, because because we fit right in in politics, right? Stacey Abrams saved the world and uh, Warnock just got elected and everybody's, you know, rejoicing over that. Um, where, where do black people fit in all this in your in your view? In my opinion, black people uh, don't fit into all of this because this isn't our fight. Um, in my opinion, what I am getting sick of, honestly, is that there seems to be um, a narrative that is being created by white liberals um, and they pick it for us every election season. And it is one of black dependency, incompetence and ineptitude. OK, we allow them to pick that narrative for us every single election year and we latch on to it and we follow it. It's almost like we're this class of people who were made to sign like this code of conduct agreement without a pen that is being enforced by none other than mainstream media and technology. It's a shame because a lot of us are online complaining about the white man that we have to show up and go to work for tomorrow. Not everybody, but a lot of us. And it's very important to keep in mind exactly what it is the objective is. What goal are you fighting for? Because there is, is it, if there isn't a goal at the end of this for you, for your family, for your community, then you need to stay out of it and you need to sit down. That's my opinion. I have seen so many, honestly, I've seen nobody but Black people online today arguing and getting caught up in this. Here's the thing with me. I'm friends with a lot of people. I have a more, almost 5,000 friends on Facebook. Twitter is coming up and everywhere, and they're of all races. I didn't see any Mexicans or Asians or anyone in the Italian communities or the Jewish communities or even my African brothers and sisters really up in arms about this today. This was all Black Americans, and our fight seemed to mesh with every single narrative the white liberals have laid out for us or mapped out for us over the last past four years in the media. It's the same 
argument. Trump is trash. Trump is bad. Trump is not good. Trump is ugly. Trump is all these many different things. But when you say, okay, so what is the goal at the end of this for us? Because, you know, we're, we all have to go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow. What's, mm. what's the plan? Just, what do we do? Yeah, because just again, go- a lot of us have to go back to work for that white man that we're online tonight <laughs> complaining about. Wow, uh, Jeff, Jeff, go go ahead. Just man. to go off phase uh, statement, I think a lot of the the dialogue that I saw on my and, and anybody can chime in on this, I saw on my was the treatment of what took place at the Capitol, right? Like a lot of people, and myself included, was thinking like, what if thirty thousand BLM members or thirty thousand Muslims pulled up on the Capitol with guns, right? Like, what would the response been? Like, the response would have been different because, and the reason why. I mean, we all know it would have been different, right? But the thing is, a lot of black people, because we are tasked with saving this country, like Stacey Abrams saved the election, that she won the election for Biden, she won the election for Warnock and Ossoff, and therefore she put the Democrats in office, they control all of Congress, so therefore she saved America. They expect America to always save us, and that's never been the case, right? Like, America wasn't designed to save you. At one point, you were three-fifths of a man. Now, whether that matters to you or not, it matters in the grand scheme of things. Like, that happened. Jim Crow happened. Slavery happened. Like, all of that still, and to this day, people still get killed on camera and nothing ever happened. So, like, you can't expect the same treatment for yourself uh, by a country that that was never designed to to save you. And mm-hmm. I just want to add on that. I need know, to address this same stuff. Black people are not the majority in this country. So you got to understand white people, just like any other race, they're going to look out for white people before any other race. So, of course, they're going to be more sympathetic towards white people. You know, we have to get out this reality where they're going to treat us the same. That that That's not going to happen in any country that you go to. If you're African-American, you go to South America or, or Japan you're not going to be treated exactly like the populace. That's just is what it is. And the second thing is, I disagree with Trump being um, censored on Twitter. I think that's a very dangerous precedent. And what happens is that what they like to do is they like to vilify someone. They did the same thing with Alex Jones. They vilified him, and then all the tech companies took him off air. Who do they go to next after that? Farrakhan. Farrakhan. You know, that's what they do. Like, first they, first they go for someone that you agree with. Like, yeah, get him. And then they go for someone speaking truth. And you're like, wait a minute, why did you censor him? So I'm for non-censorship for nobody. We are adults and we are smart enough to disseminate our own information. And I don't need no tech company censoring something for me to, to make me feel safe. I'll make that decision myself. Yeah, I agree on that censorship piece. I'm also in disagreement on any kind of censorship. And to your point, uh, I knew they were going to come for Farrakhan after they did a few white people. Um, because of the letter writing campaigns and everything. But let me circle back on this saved uh, um, mess, okay? You know, no disrespect to the other brother, but I think that's a uh, erroneous narrative and we got to stop saying that. Um, Black people are doing what, you know, we have been ushered to do, right? I have family that lives in Georgia. And when I tell you the level of propaganda, the level of harassment, of phone calls, knocking on doors. I mean, all kinds of things like to get people out to vote. Um, All of the different, I lived in Ohio, so I already know, you know, so-called battleground states. It's it's a mess. And it it literally borders on harassment. But what I I don't like about this idea that one person or black people saved America is that to me, it, it makes us look like 
you know, we're infantile almost. Why would we want to save a country uh, just the day before another DA said that nothing happened and there's no charges for the police? Just two days before that, the Justice Department said, we're not filing any civil rights charges for killing a 12-year-old child in Cleveland, Ohio, our child, our baby. We want to, we saving that? That's what we're doing? I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not interested in saving that. And I don't think that, no, I, I'm not interested in being saved. And, and, and I also think that it's wrong. Stacey Abrams, you know, not, not, it's not a personal attack, but she's really a neoliberal. It wouldn't be Asada Shakur these white liberals would be aligning with and, 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 and pushing out. If Stacey Abrams had a strong black agenda and she was about black people first, ain't no way in hell she would be allowed to be the leader that she is in the state of Georgia. Let's be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very important point you just made. Um, and uh, actually, before we move on, everybody who's watching, if you could, please hit the thumbs up button. Hit the thumbs up button right now. Uh, also, share, subscribe, all that good stuff so that we can have more strong black conversations where we can have our own opinion, our own narrative. And also, uh, I like what uh, what was being said earlier about freedom of speech. Uh, one area, one platform I found that I really like, it, it happened to be created by uh, conservatives, but I don't care. Uh, but it's the Parler app, P-A-R-L-E-R, P-A-R-L-E-R. Uh, if you want to follow us on Parlor, you can go to Dr. Boyce Watkins on Parlor. Uh, and I like that platform because for that reason you you all mentioned earlier, freedom of speech. So let let's um let me let me let's jump in and talk about uh this a little more deeply than you know this uh let's stick on this whole idea of black people saving America and uh and the Stacey Abrams effect. So <laughs> Stacey, Stacey Abrams is on the cover of magazines and everyone loves her, and there's nothing wrong with loving Stacey Abrams, you know, she's very good at her job. Very good at what she does, no question about it. Um, and I, but I think it's very important to, at the very least, make sure we distinguish between a black man or black woman who's doing great things for black people versus a black man or black woman who's doing great things for the Democratic Party. Uh, those are not dis- disconnected. Those are not two separate things. You could do great things for the Democratic Party and do great things for black people. And I think Stacey, I'm going to say Stacey probably fits in that category because there are black people who can benefit from some of the, the, the policies of the Democratic Party, right? The Democratic Party does a better job than the Republicans of advocating for the poor or the disenfranchised uh, LGBT, et cetera. I, I think all of that is cool. But I think that what the, the challenge is when, when you talk about a Stacey Abrams or Warnock or anybody is when you start getting people trying to claim and own your blackness, you know, that that uh, that 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 can sort of claim. So maybe a way to think about it is is, is like this. If, if I have a job at Burger King and I tell all my relatives, hey, y'all, if you want to eat at Burger King, I can get you free food. Right. And so let's say I got half my relatives want to eat at Burger King. My other half of relatives don't want to eat at Burger. They want to eat healthier food. And, uh, and and so somebody says, you know, uh, your voice is really helping his family by giving them free Burger King food. Uh, that is true. That is absolutely true. I, I'm a great Burger King employee and I'm feeding my family. But that but me feeding the part of my family that likes Burger King ain't the same as me feeding the whole family. And also somebody can't come along and say, well, if you ain't got a Burger King uniform on, then yeah, you right. ain't a Watkins. You're <laughs> yeah. not a Watkins if you ain't got a Burger because all the Watkins just love Burger King. No, <laughs> God damn it. 
No, we are not all Burger King employees. We do not all want to eat a Whopper. Some of us actually want to eat some health food. So stop that. Stop trying to own the, 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 the core of who I am because you happen to have something in common with me. We happen to have a common agenda. We, we partner. So Stacey Abrams is an excellent partner for the Democratic Party. But every single statistic that you can look at shows that Democratic Party run cities and states have not seen uh, improvement in the black community. That That is just a fact. That is a fact. Start with Chicago. That's a fact. Lori, Lori Lightfoot sitting there down the street. Obama was down the street from little kids getting shot up in his neighborhood. Two, two blocks from Obama's house, they getting shot up. You know, and, and all the statistics show that black people haven't done better. So so stop saying- Actually, black people have done worse. Right. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly. why we got to interrogate this idea that the Democratic Party represents the poor. Let me tell you something. The Democratic Party ain't represented the poor in decades. Don't nobody represent the poor. That's why you're seeing these factions on the left and the right. Nobody's representing what really is the masses of this country, including a whole bunch of white folks now. That's why you're seeing the left doing the forced to vote. If you're following that, that's why you see the right storm in the Capitol. And let's be honest, I, we haven't talked about this, but the D.C. police and Capitol police actually let them in. I don't I know do. if you all saw that video. I do. They, they, they let them in. They didn't just storm it. No, they let them in. So yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward. Well, yeah, well, no, I'm looking forward well, to well, the I don't. I felt like they let them in because they they were like, if we don't do something, like it's gonna get bad. Like I don't know. What do y'all think? Y'all think that they let them in because they're in cahoots? Like like we want to help them. They sent the They took pictures. They were taking selfies. Uh, finish your point, Zakia, and then then go to Jeff, and then and then everyone else. Go ahead, Zakia. What no, I'm sorry. I was just saying. Uh, so there's footage on Twitter and on on Facebook and other social media where the cops are actually taking photos, taking selfies with some of the the MAGA people. So mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know whether it was like intentionally coordinated, but at the very least, they were treated. Um, not, I mean, not just with respect, but they literally allowed them in. Uh, uh, to the building, and the, the D.C. Uh, uh, mayor wasn't allowed to call in the National Guard at all until much wow. later. And then well, also, there's the, there's the one video of uh, just the one black officer with a with a with a stick, right? Like it's like <laughs> 50, 50 MAGA dudes right in front of his face, and he's got this one little baton. He's running up the steps. That's the worst thing, by the way. If you ever get about to get jumped or whatever, don't run because they just chase you. And that's exactly what just happened with dude. They just chased them on up the steps, and then by that time, yeah, they already in. They already in. So I, I mean, I did say that there was like some something was very strange about them getting in there that quickly, that abruptly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it does seem. You but know what? Here's the thing, right? If if the country's divided, you know, between right and left, why wouldn't the police be divided also? And and, and in fact, I would imagine that you know, cops and security guards and, and and people like that are probably more likely to be on the right than on the left. Uh, most of the cops I know, even the good cops, they actually a lot of them are Republican because the Republicans traditionally uh, are all for the police in terms of anything that they want to do, right? And then on the other side, you you're hearing defund the police. Which I, which I think is a little bit too extreme because I think we because actually people don't know this but murder rates in a lot of the, in a lot of these cities have actually skyrocketed this year like people are in danger now because the police are, are sleeping on the job they don't want to do the job anymore I wouldn't want to be a cop there's no way I'd want to be a cop right now so so I think that balance is missing so Faye uh you it seemed like you have something to say go ahead please no what I was gonna say is the the thing that is cracking me up and I actually find it hypocritical to a degree to a, a, a large degree is because 
Why is it that what happened on Capitol Hill today, such a surprise to everybody, the entire summer of 2020, we watched this take place in Portland. We watched it take place in Seattle and other mm. major cities across the country with many of the riots, many of the same type of destructive protests and everything. So, you know, is it a matter of, it, why isn't what's good for the goose good for the gander? Do you know what I mean? Like, why is this an issue now? We watched it all summer. We watched, The police let it go down all summer. I'm in a city where one, I live in a city or now nearby a city, as I say, because I'm outside of the city of Philadelphia, <laughs> where major rioting took place during the summer of 2021. Many people lost their businesses. They were burned to the ground. Okay, there are a lot of families that lost their livelihoods and nobody said anything because it was primary, primarily the left that was doing it. But now the right is outraged today. And all of a sudden, yeah. everybody's fired up. Let's get angry and get pissed at them. Shoot them down, gun them down. That's why I'm not understanding this whole, well, if it was black people, they would have did this. Well, if it was this group, they would have did this. Well, technically we were all doing it, not we all, but I'm just saying general yeah. consensus. Everybody was protesting last summer. They let him do it then too. So yeah. can I add? I was just going to add to um, Sister's point. Uh, they actually found that, at least in Minneapolis, um, that there were some white supremacist instigators. I don't know if y'all remember, but they came back like months later and identified some white supremacists who actually, it wasn't Black people, if y'all remember. Um, they were saying it was a protest that burned down a police station where come back to find out that it was actually instigated um, by some white supremacists that lived up in northern uh, Minneapolis. I don't know if y'all remember seeing that, but it came out like a couple of months later. I, I can um, see all of that. I, I saw from the very beginning, I saw outside ele elements driving a lot of what was going on. Uh, you know, when, when, when you, when, when I first, just when the behavior shifted, when I saw people doing stuff that honestly, Americans are, Americans are kind of wimpy. Like we don't really get crazy with our protests right off the bat. We got to go through some stuff to get to that point. I think we can, but not right now. So when you start hearing about, okay, you know, in the hood, buildings are now burning down. I'm like, okay, unless black people have really evolved in, in a way that I haven't seen, I have my ear pretty close to the black community. I, I, I said, this ain't us. We're not doing this. But even, even a lot of the white folks I know don't do that type of stuff. Uh, but when I think about radical left and radical right, I think about the, you know, the 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 cowboy boot wearing gun toting hillbilly on the right, you know, the Trump supporter with the with the uh, uh, with the Confederate flag on his truck. He can get down like that. Well, or when I think about the leftists, the radical leftists, Antifa, you know, where, where they have that history of bombing people that they don't like. And, they, you know, they assassinate like all these things are part of that history of the anarchist culture. I said, OK, I get it now. Like you're okay. I get it. Okay, I, this is bigger than just black versus white. Bigger than even Democrat Republican. This is to me this long held battle between capitalism and communism, or or, or elements on the left, Marxism, uh, far left elements, right? And, and for the longest time, if you study the history of that, you will see that if you go to Europe and you look at how they got down in Europe, they got crazy in Europe. Uh, a lot of the Vietnam War was connected to that very same sort of thing. Capitalism against communism and all related ideologies. So so that to me was where we should have really drew the line. Detroit did a great job. The black folks of Detroit, when they saw those crazy, crazy hippie white boys coming in town trying to burn down buildings and throw rocks through windows, 
The black folks got with the police and said, this is not what we want here. We have issues where we're going to resolve it on our own. Get out. Get out. That to me is exactly what should have happened in every city across America, but it didn't. People sat there and watched people burn down other people's businesses and look the other way because they happen to be your friend. Well, these people, I'm sorry, when you're talking about that far extreme element, these are terrorists. Terrorists will take you out if you don't allow them to do whatever the hell they want. You give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. So now you see where the, those elements have, are going. They're going after both Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. They're like, we don't like none of y'all. We just hate this whole system. We want to see your whole country burn. And so anybody, if you want to see America burn, I get that. But I don't want to see America burn because I, I think that we can fix what we have. I don't think we have to destroy every job and kill every child and, and take everybody out with viruses and everything else in order for us to become a better country. And I think that's where people don't understand. Extremism is, is not a healthy thing to add to our uh, to our politics. We are fortunate. I'm going to be quiet after I say this because, Madam President, I'd like to hear from you. Uh, we are fortunate in this very basic idea. We are extremely fortunate that we can have transfers of power without the shed of blood. Uh, anybody who understands the history of elections know that that is a fragile thing to protect. In Kenya, they had a bad election. People were getting their heads chopped off in the street. In parts of Europe, when they have a bad election, buildings are being blown up. Little children are being killed at daycare. They, they don't care. So, so you don't really, you don't really want that life. I mean, you, you just don't. That, that's my two cents. So be careful what you wish for because you might get it. Uh, Chanel, uh, Madam President, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts uh, so far in the conversation? I think that she is muted. Let me see if I can unmute her. Oh, can you hear me now? Of course, yeah. you don't want that because of our children um, are not prepared for war. I think over in other countries, sometimes they babies get guns and are prepared to be soldiers at an early age. Meanwhile, you know, we have our kids doing the nay-nay. So we're not prepared <laughs> for any form of war. I don't want to hear black folks talking about no war, okay? Because grandma and them don't know how to shoot. Your aunties and them don't know how to shoot. We're going to be going to the church with the uh, senator that just got elected. You know, we just not prepared for that conversation <laughs> at all. I want us to stay away from war. <laughs> However, I also want to say that I, I personally, I know this is an unpopular opinion on this panel, but I like Stacey Abrams. The reason that I like Stacey Abrams is because I believe um, she isn't a, an appointed leader. I, I don't think she's an appointed politician. I think that she decided, I, I think I want to, I want to do this. I qualify. And as a person who, um, who have been in, I would say collegiate <laughs> um, group think environments, I think that sometimes when you, when you are not a part of something and you say, I want to go in, I want to be the person that makes the change. And you do that. It's not it's not just always rooted in corruption. Also, from a character standpoint, this woman lost the election. She had absolutely no point to stay involved. But she said, you know what? I, I don't like the way I was treated about this. I'm going to I'm going to participate. And um, I know you call it a harassment because it was very harassing. All the damn texts we got. <laughs> I live in Atlanta. So I was like, God damn, I'm almost mad. I'm not going nowhere if I get another goddamn text. <laughs> but I will say that, you know, um, we sometimes I I too, because I, I, I have a conscious mindset, I can separate myself from this world. But I go out, I drive, I buy cars. So I want an interest rate. So I'm participating in credit scores. I get gas. So I'm participating 
this ecosystem, whether I want to be or not. And um, I have a house here in Atlanta. So whether I want to be a part of this fucked up system, I'm in it. Okay. So I think that there are times where no matter how conscious I am, I realize that God damn, I need to get some dual citizenship because I'm in and I'm, we all are in pretty deeply, <laughs> whether we feel like we are or not, you know what I'm saying? So I do agree with you in reference to, you know, I think that in this world, we have to be able to be more, but I think the division from WB Du Bois and Booker T. Washington has just always been a thing. Black folks at, a, at odds, and we need to collectively get what the what's due, which is our money. I don't feel like black folks should be paying taxes. I think we should be uh, receive some form of reparations in this country. They may not be able to give us a million dollar check, per household. But I will tell you one thing, what I realized from this stimulus, folks still out here waiting to be stimulated, is that reparations is an easy decision. Meeting and having a meeting and a decision and disbursement of money into bank accounts, what I've learned from this whole pandemic is that goddamn reparations ain't as hard as folks made it made us think it was. It is very quite easy. Well, the big question is, um, and I and I agree with you. I don't think anybody. I'm gonna tell you what. Uh, if anybody, if, just to make it 100 percent clear, uh, I, I don't think we have to hate Stacey Abrams to talk, tell the truth about what Stacey Abrams is doing. Um, I, I I think it's almost like the same as saying, look, I don't hate pancakes, but pancakes are not chicken. You know, a, a piece of chicken is not a pancake. So stop telling me that when I ate a pancake that I also got chicken because I know what chicken tastes like. So. <laughs> So, so a black politician is a black politician is a black politician and they have a right to exist and they may perhaps believe in what they're doing. I, I think Abrams does benefit long-term from what she's doing because believe me, she's going to get an important position out of this. She's yeah, going to get, she benefits, she, she's, but she's not the masses of black right, people. Right, we got to start they, talking about that. Yeah, they, yeah they, and they, I'm, yeah. I spoke about that too on my post too. Look, look black people who, any African-American I see, um, um, gloated by the media, I don't trust because these African Americans are all hand selected. And typically, when they get in office or in a political position, all they do is cater to their party by putting a black twist on it. None of them do anything memorable that that you can name that is outside of the narrative. This is why a lot of black people can't even tell you who the CBC caucus members are. They don't even know. In fact, they didn't even know who Barack Obama was in the Senate. Probably didn't even know he was a senator until he became president. That's how this is not self-hate. I'm just saying this is what's happening. All they're doing is that they're just propelling black candidates in front of them, funded by white people. We're not donating to them. So they don't answer us. Yes, they're going to act black and jig with us just so they can get our vote and get in office. And then they're not going to do anything for us because we didn't put any support behind them financially. Mm. How much money y'all think was spent on this election? Yeah, go go, go ahead, please. Uh, inform us as a how, much, how much money y'all think was spent on this election? Just a wild guess. I'm talking about both of them. I'm talking about the 2020 general and this one, this most recent one. Let me tell you something. We it's a game being played and, and we ain't winning. They telling us we winning. Oh, black people save this and black people save that. Save it for who? Number one, who do we save it for? And then what are we getting out of it? See, I've lived in democratic controlled cities for all of my adult life. 
right? I lived in the Midwest in Ohio, which was so-called a battleground state, but the cities are controlled by Democrats. I've seen enough. I live in Maryland now, a so-called deep blue state, and we have to fight the Democrats when it comes to police brutality to get them to pass things that benefit us, that benefit us specifically. So I had a conversation with my family in Georgia because I actually was thinking about relocating to Georgia. Let me tell you this right now. If the Democrats are taking over that state, I'm done. I'm not going down there because we. I'm serious. I mean, there's a lot of things that the Democrats have actually changed a lot. There's a lot of things that even black people don't agree with with them on social issues, but they vote for them because voice like voice said earlier, we have this idea that we think they look out for the poor. But when you look in your community, when you look at your own material conditions and how they continue to deteriorate and how you have to continue to help your family members financially. And we moving in with each other again because the, the, the economic empire is falling out the bottom of the country. Then we got to have a different conversation. Finally, I will say, if you didn't know, Wall Street actually supported Joe Biden over Donald Trump. Both <laughs> parties are hegemonic parties. And they're controlled by billionaires. So we have to have deeper conversations and get out of emotionalism. I've seen a lot of dancing. I've seen a lot of this and a lot of that. I ain't mad at Black Joy. I love Black people. What I'm mad at is that here we go again, falling for the same banana in the tailpipe, and you're getting ready to get two new senators. Now they got a Democratic president, a Democratic Senate, and a Democratic House. And look at what you get in return. That's all I want people to do. And we have we have precedent, right? Like it's not like like a lot of people saying, "Oh, now that we have control," and they, it's funny. A lot of black people reference Democrats as we, so you'll hear a lot of like, "Now we have control of Congress and we have control of the presidency. We are going to get what we want." It's like we've seen this movie before. Actually, we saw a better version of it. Or was supposed to be a better version of it for our people because it was a black president, right? Like when Obama was in office the first couple of years, he had a black Congress, which was Senate and House, and he was the black president. And what did you get out of that deal? Like what 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 was the return in that from that deal? And it wasn't. It's not what you expected because we're still dealing with the same stuff four eight years later, right? So like that that is it is ironic that you see a lot of that going on. Now that Biden has control, the control of the Senate and the control of the House, because but we've seen this movie before. Well, you know, you're right. We have seen it before. And and the thing is that we saw this uh, over even even as much as 50 years ago. Uh, If you remember Malcolm X in his speech, The Ballad of the Bullet, uh, he basically talked about uh, the fact that black people were being played by both the Democrat and the Republican parties. Uh, in, in fact, I, I, I'm going to try to find his specific quote, but I think everybody needs to pay attention because M- Malcolm uh, Ashe uh, to, to Malcolm and the ancestors, he he is he's speaking to us from the grave and saying, you know, dear black people, we saw this exact same thing in the 1960s and we were being played by suckers like suckers 60 years ago. Y'all being played for suckers right now. He specifically said that when you are consistently supporting a party that controls all the branches of government and they still can't do nothing for black people. And you support that party no matter what. You're not only a political chump, but you are a traitor to your race. Uh, and, and, and I think that now that we, we have this experiment again where the Democrats, you know, we, we, you know, we save America. Or so, some of us did it. I can't take credit for that because I ain't, yeah. I ain't support none of that. Um, and uh, and and now, you know, the Democrats have regained a substantial amount of, of political power. I, 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 I beg you, I ask all of you to consider this. 
Um, how many times have you heard any of these politicians mention the word reparations one time? They they are under strict orders from the Democratic Party. And I and I can just tell you, uh, you know, just at liberty in terms of revealing something that I saw when I was working with Cube and some other people, and we talked to some folks. And there are black people in the Democratic Party who were very appreciative of what Ice Cube was doing because they said these white folks over our heads are making us look stupid because they won't let us do anything. And again, I compare them to Burger King employees because it's like you've got relatives that are starving. They're showing up for a cheeseburger and you can't feed your family. And they think you're being stingy when really it's your boss saying, if I catch you slipping them any food, you're fired. Right. So basically, when black folks show up and say, hey, you got that new job, you got that fancy new opportunity, we we, we can use some help. We can use some backup. And, and they just look at you like a Burger King employee who can't give you any food, no matter how hungry you are. So I think that we have to understand the game and play it differently. Uh, and so when I see all this stuff going on uh, in this Jerry Springer show, I, I'm going to tell you all a story real quick. And then I'd like to get anybody's feedback on this. Um, I'll leave it open for the panel. I just if, if, if I don't see just kind of you can do this if you want to. I, I'll call you. Uh, but I went to Portland, maybe like right right around the beginning of the pandemic uh, or maybe about a couple months in. Maybe it was like April or May, something like that. So I go to Portland. You know, Portland's got a lot of crazy liberal types out there. Right. So we're in Portland and uh, I was with, with my um, with my other goddaughter and uh, and we're walking through the streets of Portland and it gets dark and it's and, it, and it's real uncomfortable because. In downtown Portland, everybody was gone because of the pandemic and no police, defunding the police and all that. And so we're surrounded by uh, a lot of darkness, not too many streetlights were on this corner, and a lot of homeless people just kind of walking around. And I remember I, I basically got into a situation where I thought I might actually have to kill somebody because there was a homeless guy that came up. And you know how people ask you for money and you say, you know, I'm good or here's a dollar or whatever. He wouldn't leave us alone. He followed us for six or seven blocks. So I'm sitting there thinking, I'm going to have to really, you know, deal with this guy. And, uh, and, 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 and luckily, you know, we were able to kind of get away from that situation. Uh, but I talked to, I bumped into a brother. I'm walking across you. I'm real paranoid. I'm like, I'm ready to, you know, fight. And the guy says, he says, Hey, Dr. Watkins. And, and I, and I'm ready to punch him. Like, what you want? You know? And I'm like, Oh, he called me Dr. Watkins. So that means he's a, he's a friend. He's not a foe. And basically, he worked at a homeless shelter down there. And he, and what this brother told me was he said, I said, what's going on, man? I said, this is like Gotham City. Like, there's no police. There's no light. Like, there's just chaos. This guy followed me, you know, 10 blocks or whatever. And, uh, and, and he said, he said, since this pandemic started and since everybody's kind of done this whole thing with the police, downtown is just a wasteland. It's dead. The business owners uh, can't really operate. They don't have any protection. Uh, it's just kind of every man for himself. He see, so he was basically saying like almost like you you might have to have a weapon down here because it is not safe around here, right? And and we were not in a bad neighborhood. He said it got that way when the pandemic began. So so I I, I share that story uh, to just say that this happened. This is happening in cities all across America. I, I was in my hometown of Louisville where Breonna Taylor got killed, and uh, businesses boarded up. I'm sure Detroit looks like that. Atlanta has the issues. What gives? Like how you know? How do we how do we fight for change without co-signing on a bunch of nonsense that that that's that doesn't even make any sense to most of us? Anybody in the panel can please jump in on that. Well, I, I, I just I just want to respond really quick to the reparations because this is like black people. I really want you guys to understand this. Twenty twenty was very critical, and let me say this: if you see two parties fighting very hard. Like I've never seen this extremity of white people fighting each other like this. And you are the swing vote. 
And this is why I'm very careful about talking about white supremacy, because this is exactly what happened in 2020. Black people were fear mongered into voting. They were not promised anything. We were told that we must get this racist out instead of critically sitting back and seeing the desperation of the Democrats wanting our vote. That was when we had the highest leverage. We we should have said, OK, you guys hate Trump so much. OK, let's work out a deal. Give us reparations. Oh, we're not going to vote for you. And you're going to have to put up another four four years of Trump and all this conservative policies and possibly a wall being built or whatever. We should have held strong. Instead, we let the white liberals talk about white supremacy all day, about the Proud Boys coming to get us and, and, and all the police violence. This is all a result of Republican leadership. And if you don't get these Democrats in office, they're going to keep hunting you down. This is why we got to be careful and, and, and elevate. Yes, we can talk about what's happening with white supremacy, but we got to elevate and look at the bigger picker sometimes. If white people are fighting each other, just sit back and observe. Don't emotionally throw yourself in to be afraid because then you miss out on monumental moments. I don't know we're going to get another moment like this where there's a, a an adversarial president that everyone is trying to get rid of. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that, uh, on a slight point. But I also think just th what's going to happen the next time, because like you said, I don't know if we'll ever get that much because there was so much hate and animosity towards Donald Trump that, I mean, I, I think literally black people could have asked for whatever they wanted and we would have got it. Because as we see, like as they're they're portraying to us that we save the, the country, right? Like so therefore, if, if if the country is worth that much to you and the Democratic Party, then you gotta give us X, Y, and Z, right? So like I don't know if we'll ever get that much leverage, but there will be some leverage to be had because the there's always something. There's always something that the Republicans are doing that the Democrats is going to sell to you is the scariest thing in the world. Right. So when, with Trump, it was, you know, white supremacy and racism or whatever. With Bush, it was war in Iraq. They're going to send everybody and kill you and make you go fight over overseas and stuff like that. So so with everything that is or when it was uh, when Obama was running, it was oh they're just going to take all your money. They're going to, you know, Republicans will only look out for the rich, whereas the Democrats, we make sure the poor people get fed and stuff. So there's going to be something in the next election. I I just don't know, like you said, uh, T, if it'll be as strong as the hate of white supremacy and Donald Trump as it was in this past election. Mm, Madam President? Well, Dr. Watson, um, I, well, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that I, I pretty much understand you asked the question. I think the question you posed was, you know, how do we effective, how do we effectively get to change without so much being submissive to we, what we currently um, are in, right? And I think I've thought about this question multiple times and just in general. And I think one of the biggest issue is we, um, we kind of are, we living off white supremacy. So like the thing is, I'm going to use Spike Lee, for example, Spike Lee was upset because he had to go through like a side door, a back door. He couldn't use the door that he always used to sit on the front seat of the Lakers. Nick, yeah, for the Nick. 30 years, he paid about $10 million to sit front side, to sit front seat side. And then he didn't get the respect that he wanted. Then he said, forget it, I ain't going to no more games. Well, I've thought about this and I said, damn, it's really hard to defeat white supremacy when you enjoy it so much. So that's one, <laughs> that's one of the things that happens with us very often. We love it, we enjoy it. We're not willing to become uncomfortable. I think about the time where the people who pretty much are, I think the brother mentioned the ancestors um, that were willing, I, this was another group pro, um, uh, a group 
I was speaking with, the brother said that the ancestors were jumping off of ships. And I said, we didn't have that many ancestors jumping off of ships. We had a lot of ancestors complying. Just like today, we have a lot of people complying. We got a lot of people that's pro-black with their ass going to work in the morning, okay? With a whole bunch of white folks. And I'm not mad at them. It's just that we have to figure out figure out how do we, how is it, how does it become possible? How does it become possible without going hungry? How does it become possible with, with keeping the roof over your head? And once we figure that out, then we can get folks in line the way we supposed to. But mm. if not, we're going to always have the same problem that Malcolm X had, which is Malcolm X was going over to Africa saying, hey, I'm ready to bring my people. And even the folks in Africa was like, no, your people can't come over here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. let, 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 me, let me show y'all something I, I saw online. This is a, a black Twitter, a description of black Twitter and, and, and all the chaos. I don't know if y'all can see this. <laughs> <laughs> that basically that you know that there, there there's a school of thought and uh, I'll, I'll enlarge the screen a little bit so y'all can see it and uh by the way my twitter is dr boyce Watkins one if you ever want to have some fun but basically you know this image what it says to me is it kind of says you know what the whole world is burning down and we just chilling we, we this ain't our business and and i i actually approve this message i i personally think that that this is a divide and conquer uh, that has occurred amongst white folks going back thousands of years since before the Black Plague. You know they they just kind of they kind of get barbaric like that, and uh, and I and I think that as Black people, this is our you know we 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 continue to do what we're supposed to do, which is to build and to uh, bring ourselves together in a way that's going to lead to progress, you know, for our people. And I think that's important, right? Because if, you know if you think about this, when we get entangled into other people's uh, chaos. Uh, it, it doesn't help us. Uh, I, I I mentioned today the Vietnam War, and a lot of people don't know this, but the Vietnam War destroyed the country of Vietnam. And the reason it was destroyed is because the Vietnamese leaders, particularly Ho Chi Minh, decided to entangle himself and his country in the middle of an epic battle between the the right and the leftists, the fascists and and the people and, and the Marxists, etc. You know the, that basically that that U.S. Uh, Russia capitalist communist global battle that's been going on long before uh we, we we even started thinking about politics uh that that's what this is and 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 as a result of ho chi minh involving his people in that he destroyed vietnam ended up being destroyed because of that. i mean they dropped more bombs on, on little tiny vietnam that were dropped by on all countries uh by all countries in all of world war ii combined they dropped more bombs and they had people fighting their own family members killing their own relatives over a battle that had nothing to do with them. And I thought about that when I see black people saying, I don't talk to my cousin no more because he's a Trump supporter. Or me and my sister stop speaking because I can't believe that she can have those beliefs, right? And, and I just really hate that. And I don't give a damn what your uh, political beliefs are, as long as we can at least start the conversation by agreeing that we're black first and what you believe politically can be secondary to that. Faye, did you raise your hand earlier? Did I miss your sister? Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, let, let me let, let me. Oh wait, sorry. go uh, ahead. I agree. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I sure can. Okay, I'm glad you brought up this point. I'm glad Madam President brought up um, the point she did too about Black people feeling uncomfortable, um, as well as what the brother said earlier about there's going to be something. Um, that something is always going to be an invisible enemy. They have been creating invisible enemies since the dawn of time. Um, they tend to perpetuate it a lot 
more typically around certain election seasons. My whole thing is the whole, well, there's going to be something and then it's going to be our time. Takes me back to the whole church thing where Jesus is coming. Don't you worry about, you know, what's going on in the world. <laughs> Deal with it now and just pray because Jesus is going to come. You're going to get to heaven one day. And I just, it's something I just don't subscribe to because we're always going to have elections. Yes, there's always going to be something Yes, there's always going to be an invisible enemy. And what we have to understand is we have to get to really, really stop subscribing to propaganda. And I posted about this a few days ago. Unsubscribe from propaganda. Unsubscribe from these blogs. Unsubscribe from tuning into CNN and NBC, MSNBC every single day. Because that's something that we're constantly waiting on is being fed to us by all of these different mediums, okay? The narratives are being fed, fed to us. These enemies are being given to us to hate. Trump is someone that was given to us to hate. 10 years ago, we did not hate him. We no. really, really did not no, hate not this guy until media said, here is the enemy, hate him now. So now that Trump is gone, now what? We're gonna sit back and just wait for that something to take, you know, to hate us so we can get that same promise we've always gotten since slavery to be led to that promised land. I'm someone that does not want to wait on that. I want to enjoy my heaven on earth right now. I want to enjoy it in my environment right now. I want to break bread with my black community right now. And I feel like we need to deal with our problems right now and get out of subscribing to those narratives that's being painted and thrown at us constantly, constantly, because this election is over. Everybody's upset. The feeds are in chaos right now because of what took place on Capitol Hill today. But in about seven days, everybody's going to be back to reading about Kim and Kanye. Back to buying <laughs> Beyonce and Jay-Z, you know, uh, concert tickets. Back to reading The Shade Room. So we're going to be back in that space where we're comfortable again because the big, bad, red, orange man is now out of office. And by Joe Biden is in office. And speaking of Joe Biden, I believe wholeheartedly he just pulled the Woodrow Wilson on us, where he got mm. to, got us all to, and he really, really got everybody to vote for him, only to throw up the middle finger once he won the election. And I believe wow. it's coming, and that call that went viral is proof positive that what's come, what he has set in store for us is what's coming. I don't believe he's going to give us anything. He's going to do anything. The fact that Kamala sat there and all of those leaders sat there and said nothing, that set the stage for what's going to be, what what's going to happen in the next four years. So the question I have for everybody now in the audience, are you prepared for that? What's your plan? Mm. Yeah, why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again? I don't understand. And, and, and to Tariq's point earlier, I wanted to go a step further in terms of like how they got people out to vote through emotionalism and saying, you know, he's this, he's that, is that there were a lot of white people play, paid black folks, black organizers and activists and black organizations millions to usher us to the polls. Like if you, I, I I made a post about this. I'm like, why don't y'all feed people every day? They was feeding people, giving people rides to the polls. They was like doing all of this stuff. And I'm like, y'all do realize people need that stuff all the time. I said, a matter of fact, the money that was spent 
matter, matter of fact, on October 28th, you can go to OpenSecrets.org. That's how you can find out how much has been spent. $15 million. Billion, I'm sorry. $15 billion with a B. Wait, you fifteen I mean? billion. Wait, fifteen billion spent on on what? The election. Oh, on oh, 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 all the elections. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I know the war. No, that was before the Georgia election. They spent a mm. record amount for the Georgia election too. I have to come back with those numbers. But Open Secret is posted on my page. Voice you friends with me. It's posted on my page. I made a whole post about it. I said we should be ashamed of ourselves for not questioning this game. But not mm. questioning, and all these people celebrating. Why are y'all celebrating? The masses of black people ain't got shit yet. Excuse my French. That's true. Everybody keep lifting up individual black people. What about the masses? What about the people who y'all got out there to vote and had concerts? They give us concerts, not policy recommendations. I'm tired of that. They mm. did that in, in Ohio in 2016. I'll never forget when Hillary was running. They brought Jay Z to Cleveland. <laughs> to have a concert to get the vote out. They did that just down in Georgia. All of these celebrities descended on Georgia. And I'm just like, y'all was talking about how no other community is doing this and no other community is doing that. But who else does that to the other community? Do white people get celebrities to tell them who the F to vote for? Mm. Why don't they court us yeah. with policy recommendations that will improve our material conditions? And, and if you speak out, and if you speak out, like Ice Cube, you 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 the bad guy, right? Like right. when you speak out, you the bad guy. That's what makes. He was like bad. one of the few yeah. celebrities, and look at how a lot of these black they treated people them. who was getting millions from white liberals to get out the vote, they slaughtered him. Yes, that should have told you everything you needed to know. They are traitors to the race, like Malcolm said, and I'll say it and stand by it. Definitely, mm. I, I want to address what uh, Madam President said earlier. She was saying that how we enjoy white supremacy. And I mean, she's not lying. That is definitely true. A lot of people like, well, you know, black power, fight the power and then go up and, and work for a white boss, you know, and spend more time. <laughs> I think I've, I've, I've heard you say, boy, spend more time with their white boss than their kids. And that it just kind of hurt me to hear that. Like, <laughs> like, oh my God. But I, but I think to, to get out of that, you have to become independent, right? So there, that is how you build up your economic base. Yes, you might start off working for someone, or may, yes, you might even enjoy it. Whether it's you know going to college and getting a professional job that way, or or work going to trade school or whatever, you might enjoy what you do, but don't let that be your ending. Right, like that might be where you start, but that's not where you need to finish. You need to finish by either owning your own stuff or owning some stocks or own, buy into a business or things like that. That way. If something were to ever happen to where you just all of a sudden want to quit your job or or your boss gets tired of you and you you tired of putting up with it, you can leave. You can you can uh, build up what I've heard Dr. Boyce say before is your fu money. It's like you can put up your fu money and take off, and you know you will be financially stable, right? Like that's that's the way you build power, you build your wealth, and things like that. So look, that was kind of like my thoughts mm -hmm. on the how you get out of that state uh, by Miss Madam President. Okay, uh, Madam President, go ahead. I want to I want to respond to that, Jeff. I totally and so one of the reasons that infiltrators were so easy to happen in our community, whether it be the Black Panther Party or the Civil Rights Movement, is because Black people did not hold economic power. Yes. Whenever they grabbed, whenever Black people were grabbed, uh, and they said, "Look, don't you want your kids to eat? Don't you want your wife to have some food?" People were always on that moral compass of, "Do I do what's right for my people, 
Now, you got to remember our relationship to one another. It's nice to meet at the All Black National Convention, but when we sit in other environments, we don't treat each other very well like we love each other. So we don't have this linear, narrow space in this country to just be like, yeah, you know, all or nothing. It's very, it's very, I would like to say, you know, um, in the words of W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, the not just the duality, but double consciousness. It, a lot of black folks deal with that, whether it's um, it's not uh, whether people agree with it or not. But that's what we deal with. So that's why you have a very big conscious community, but you don't have a conscious airline. You don't have a conscious school system. Of course, you know, we have an online school system now that's becoming more grand, but we have a lot of work to do. Also, too, yeah. you gotta kind of you gotta dismiss that shit. You gotta be like, fuck, I cannot have an 18-bedroom house, goddammit. I need one house, I need a two-room house, okay? <laughs> or, or, or you're not gonna be on CNN or all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, we we because we our communities is just different and how we, you know, are like the Muslim culture. You know, my sister, my Muslim sister, you know, they um, cover their head. When they see a sister that's not having their head covered, she don't feel like it's time for me to uncover my head. She's rooted in her, um, she's rooted in her religion and her culture. She don't sway, you know, because she's mm -hmm. around other people that believe in something mm -hmm. different than her. And that's how we have to believe in blackness. But right. these same people that's our in, poli in politics, I think Warnock said, now this shit pissed me off. <laughs> and I want you to know I'm here in Atlanta, but I did not like when he said, you know, those same hands that pick cotton when it put for me today. What? No. Stop talking like that, bro. <laughs> like that. And I do believe that's when they pull on our, on our emotions. And we're not having enough emotion and emotional intelligence. But everybody ain't conscious and everybody not woke. We can go and sit in our families right now. We can go sit in the living room. We can bring our extended family in a whole house and we can just be have a hundred folks in there. And y'all already know we ain't agreeing with one another. We ain't on one accord. We don't have to pretend like this some some trolls, some internet stuff. It is in our families. We got a lot of work to do, and it's a damn shame after we've been here so long. Yeah, well, go, go ahead. Who, 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 who I was going to respond. That, that was a great point that Madam President said, but I was going to also respond to, uh, I, you know, I want to pronounce the name. It says, so says Real Talk Uncensored, but what, uh, what is your, your name, sister? Nakia. I finally get it right. N N Nakia, yes. Um, I want to Nakia. respond. Nakia. <laughs> okay, I apologize. You made a great point as to um, you asked, why do they only give black people, you know, symbolism? And the reason is because it's maintained. See, we are the only race that votes in a block. And by maintaining dysfunction and having us think that the, you know, white people are, you know, someone who we are, we are supposed to fear, they come in as our saviors. And you don't want a black community that thinks intelligently, because once we start thinking intelligently, we start asking the questions that everybody on this panel is asking. OK, and these are the tough questions that Democrats cannot answer. So instead, it's best to rule us by fear. And this is why our thinking is so small in the black community is because we're not allowed to get on TV. They won't they will never interview any of us. Once you start getting politically and intellectually educated, you will never see a light of day on TV. Ice Cube got that only one interview on CNN, and that's it. 
He's done. You never going to see him on CNN again. They're going to bring back Snoop Dogg. And, and, and by the way, by the way, Ice Cube. Let me just. Let me finish, I want T to finish this point. I was going to tell you. They no. I was that night was when I, when Cube went on CNN. I was talking to him on the phone, and then and then he had to go to do the CNN thing, and he called back right after. And I, I, and we were talking about like how that went down. I thought he did a great job, by the way. And I was, I was like, oh, you did. That was really impressive. Like he laid all the points really well. And uh, and the funny thing was, remember, he had to fight for that one interview. Like yeah. I mean, you, you, Ice Cube, you've been in this game for thirty years. You, you're world famous. They, they'll have you on any time if you go want to say some retarded crazy shit. But it, but when the minute you start getting pro black, then suddenly you're getting canceled. Really? And and he had to go on Twitter and tweet what exactly what happened to millions of people for CNN to say, oh, oh, oh okay, we better get him in here. And the other piece, too, that's important that, that I want people to remember, and T, I want you to please finish your point uh, for sure, um, is that if you recall, right after Cube went on, the next day they had, or maybe not even the next day, that same night, they had Don Lemon come on and refute everything Ice Cube has said. And that goes back to what Malcolm talked about. Remember Malcolm said that when a black man started getting loud and crazy, they they didn't kill him. They would send a house Negro behind him, right, to kind of undermine everything he just said. So this is, I mean, Malcolm broke it all down. This is house Negro, field Negro. That, that's what we're watching. Please, T, go, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to. Oh, oh no, no. That's, I was just wrapping up my point. It's just a coordinated effort just to keep black people to be hyper-emotional. And really, a lot of it is for us to focus on white people, because when we focus on white people, 99% of the time, we ignore what's going on with our communities and we start becoming dependent on them. So we just have to be very careful of that. And that's pretty much all I want to say. Mm, okay. All right. All right. So uh, what I'm going to do, by the way, everybody, if you could, uh, I hope you'll thank our panelists for uh, giving us their time. And uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask every panelist to give maybe a 60 to 90 second uh, final remark on this important conversation we've been having. Uh, I, I could talk to you all all night. I think this is... Uh, a really lively discussion and, and much needed, you know, and I, and I hope everybody will, will, will understand the importance of black media. Uh, one of the things that, that I think the panelists will agree on, and I, um, it, it's, it's okay to disagree, but I think that that's, we can all agree that this is a money game. This is a power game, right? And this is also a media game, which is connected to money and power. So that means that black people need wealth to compete. Uh, we need uh, power and we need media. Right. So this is black media. This is what you're participating in right now is black media. You all of y'all thousands of people that are watching now, you could be watching CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. But instead, you tuned in here for a specific reason. And also to T's point, intelligent black people are not going to be invited onto those platforms. Black people that are really advocating for black people are not going to be invited, invited on those platforms. And really, if you were in their shoes, would you really want people like us on your platform anyway? What benefit do they have to have people like us on their platform? So rather than being mad at them for what they're not doing for us, how about we focus on ourselves and say, what more can we do for ourselves? So what I would like everybody to do right now that is watching consciously, consciousness, that's very important. I want you to consciously and intentionally do one quick thing for us. Could you please, whatever platform you're on, hit the like button, share, subscribe, uh, share share this link, please. Everybody's got social media. We don't have billions of dollars like CNN, so we can't. That's a hard war for us to fight. We're going to fight guerrilla style. So guerrilla style means I'm asking everybody in this room right now to hit a button, share this, subscribe to something because you guys know that we're going to bring you good conversations that you're not going to see on TV. So so because here's the thing, what I have found is that. When, when you get your own, you ain't really got to hate on somebody who's got more than you, 
right? You just focus on what you got, right? So, so if we've got platforms that are massive, we have over a million subscribers now across our different channels. This is a deliberate, intentional thing I've been working on for over a decade now. Uh, and I, and I want 10 million, I want five, 10 million, like you, and we, and we've done it. We, you've seen the results of some of this. You saw in this last election, we rocked that election. We changed some conversations. We pissed some people. We had Kamala Harris talking about these gosh darn rappers need to stop. They need to stay in their lane. Y'all remember that when she was talking to Angela Rye? Well, some of the rappers mm-hmm. need to stay in their lane. And, and I asked Cube, I said, I said, hey, man, was she talking about you? He said, yeah, she was talking about me. But pay attention now. Where, where was Ice Cube getting a lot of his best ideas from when he went on CNN and, and, and used his powerful voice to speak to the world? Well, it was coming from Dr. Claude Anderson and Powernomics. And what are we talking about every day on this on, on these platforms? Things like that, things that millions of people need to hear. And when those ideas get out, when they escape out the bag, they become uh, addictive to the masses of people mm-hmm. that are looking for a solution. The reason people love things like Powernomics, like the reason Dr. Claude Anderson went on The Breakfast Club and had 2 million people that watched that interview is because the cat got out of the bag. And people like Charlemagne, you know, the, the, good, the good entertainer folks, the rappers, even Kanye, even Kanye is as confusing as Kanye can be sometimes. These individuals are, are, are I appreciate them because they're using that power that they have to share ideas with our people that are going to make us stronger, make us better. And, uh, and and so what? So you're winning. That's the point I want to make is that, you know, it's like a football game. Jeff know what I'm talking about. You, you can be in a game and still be down 20 points, but when the momentum shifts in your favor, you start feeling good even though you're not winning yet. You know that it's only a matter of time. So for black people, we may not be winning yet. We may not have won this last election, but it's only a matter of time. And they're all watching. So we got to keep moving forward. We need your help. Please share, subscribe, whatever you got to do. We can really use your help. So that's my last little appeal. Uh, I'm going to let all the panelists uh, start with Jeff Lightsey Jr. Uh, could you please go, go ahead, brother? Uh, feel, feel free to uh, share your final statement. Yeah, just final statement, circling back to what we originally said. Will this be a civil war? Honestly, it shouldn't matter because this is not this has what happened today on the Capitol had nothing to do with us. What we must do, and I say this almost at the end of almost every panel that I've been on, is work on self, work on ourselves, work on a way to get off uh, that that corporate plantation, right? Like wake work on a way to build your family up, build your community up. That way you don't have to worry about right or left. Democrat or Republican, you hold your vote. You vote for the person who benefits both you and your community the most. And in that way, you will uh, get the best results in every single election. Now, whatever's happening, whether the the, the Proud Boys are fighting the Antifa, whatever, none of that will matter to you as a black person. Because at the end of the day, all of them, none of them people want you. Like that, all of those people, if it comes down to them or you, they're going to pick themselves. So therefore, you should pick yourself in the end. Mm. All right. All right. So, uh, Mrs. Akia, uh, your, your final thoughts. Yeah, this has been a great panel. Um, one of the things that we didn't really get a chance to talk about in depth was really economics. And one of the things that people haven't noticed is that we are entering into a new time of so-called innovation. Um, and I think this is a very critical moment, um, especially for black folks, because I fear Um, that a lot of us will be left behind. And the reason why I say that with this new economy, um, technology, a technocracy, if you want to say that, um, this next next era is going to be ruled by robotics, uh, artificial intelligence, fintech. If if you use Cash App, that's what you call fintech. That's the term for it. Um, Banks and things. We're getting ready to see a shift like we've never seen before. And so be very clear that when people's economics get bad, everything else is going to get bad. People are going to start lashing out. 
And so one of the things that I have been suggesting to us is that we really need to sink HOFA. For people who don't know what that means, that means we need to go back and fetch it, right? We need to go back and do what we had to do after uh, we were freed from chattel enslavement. They freed us from chattel enslavement and gave us no support. We're entering into another era where there's actually going to be no support coming from the government. I mean, this last little stimulus check, that's all they could come up with was $600 one time. I don't know what else uh, people need to see other than to know uh, they're not coming to support you. You, you know, so I think that black people need to start, um, like the brother said, going inward as a community. We need to start uh, building uh, mutual aid and benevolent societies again. We did that at the turn of the 19th and 20th century because we had to, um, where we're becoming much more communal and less and less individualistic, um, going back to our roots and being communal and supporting each other. And I'm saying that not to be pessimistic. I'm saying that because I love us. And that somebody needs to tell you that that's what's, ca- that's, that's what's coming um, in this next uh, economy. If you're not already on the tech train or you're not already knowing how to do uh, cybersecurity and all of these different things, education is online. Now, everything is about to be uh, digitized uh, from healthcare to education. And so I just say that as a warning to our people um, that we definitely need to start pooling our resources and supporting one another and the distractions like what happened today. Um, unfortunately, I think things like that will continue um, as we continue to enter into this uh, new economics. All right. Uh, Ms. Faye Bishop, uh, your, your final thoughts. Can you hear me? Yep, sure can. All right. So my final thought is pretty much simple and to the point. If you want to win, you have to get to a place where you have want to take back your power. Stop giving it away, okay? You have to start demanding tangibles. You have to get on code, not just with us as a collective, but with yourself to understand what it is you want. You know, I'm all about the outcome. And I think we all should be about the outcome. What kind of outcome are you looking for? not just with politics, but when it comes to our economics and when it comes to our race and just your own communal environment, you know? And I think the only way to take back our power is if we unsubscribe to foolishness that is constantly perpetuated by mainstream media and pushed by technology, okay? Because it's keeping us dependent, incompetent, and inept. That's my final thought. Learn how to take back your power. Figure out a way to take back your power and claim it. Mm. All right. Take back your power and claim it. Uh, Mr. Tariq Abdul-Khalik, your final thoughts, brother. Yes. um, You know, we just got to realize what happened on Capitol Hill and what's really been happening across the country during the uh, Trump presidency is this is white liberals versus uh, white conservatives. You know, this is a classism warfare. You know, and the thing is, black people must be very careful of calling only one side white supremacists because what that feeds into is a fear narrative, which is why we can't elevate politically because we see one side as white supremacists and the other side is the good little white people. And then you got to ask yourself <laughs> who benefits, think who, which side benefits the most by you thinking like like that and it's not black people it's the white liberals who 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 run the democrat party and a lot of the media but all i'm saying is we have to be independent look at this from this lens 
Do not scare black people about it's a bunch of white supremacists because I don't want to see our people out there fighting. I don't want to see if something goes down. We're out here siding with the liberals because we scared of these white supremacists. I don't, I don't want to see that. I want us to be logical. So uh, we just have to be careful that and other thing with um, censorship, you know, I, we shouldn't support any censorship, even if we don't even like that person, because I'm telling you, it's going to come for us. They are going to come for intelligent black people waking up the community and they're going to use any small excuse. They could censor this entire panel and say, oh, you guys were speaking negatively about the black community and we find this as racism <laughs> or something like that. So we can't support none of that mess. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, you know, take it from a guy who's been censored many times. I, I've been shut down. I've been in Facebook jail so many times. I, I need y'all to put money on my books next time I get locked up because it's because I'm, go, I'm going back to jail. I, I, I've been sent to Facebook jail for quoting Malcolm X, uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, so, so just be careful when you support censorship. That, that just battle, fight with your ideas. You know, if your ideas are good, defend your ideas and and leave it at that. You know, the censorship thing is not healthy. Uh, Madam President, your final words. My final words are, you know, in the words of Malcolm X, there is no better than adversity. Every defeat, every heartbreak, every loss contains its own seed, its own lesson on how to improve your performance the next time. So I think it's time for black people all over um, America to come to terms that we cannot be in the same predicament as we were in the 60s, as we were in the 40s and the 20s. If we are intelligent, I think you told me this before, Dr. Boyce, then we should have a life that reflects that. Mm. Well, right on, right on, right on. Well, you know what? I, I'll tell you what. I was uh, just to, to give us something to, to, something to laugh about. <laughs> I'm going I, I, to share something on my screen. Uh, I, I just, I was getting a kick out of black Twitter and, and curious to see what, because I saw black Twitter trending and I thought that was strange. And so apparently there's just, um, apparently we're, we're not in the minority. I'm used to us kind of being the outliers, you know, since we tend to uh, sometimes have ideas that maybe people need time to get used to, but it looks like a lot of black folks agree with us. And let me show you all uh, this uh, thing on my screen. I hope I do it right and don't mess it up. Uh, this is uh, another black Twitter video, and it looks like it says white people are saying, I can't believe this is happening, right? And they're in the movie theater, and the black girl's in the movie theater, and I'm going to hit the play button. <laughs> so I think I think that that sums up. Uh, I think how a lot of black people feel right now. Like with th this really is. I, I hate feeling like it's entertainment because it's not. It's very serious, right? You know, it, it could get really bad, and it, it, it is probably just the beginning. But I do think that 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 there are millions of people who understand the difference between our fight and somebody else's fight, and uh, and I know it's frustrating for those of you who might be ahead of your time. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of in a challenging position because most of your allies, your greatest allies are not even born yet. You know, the, these ideas are ideas from the future. You know, you, the frustration you feel being an intelligent black person saying the things that you're saying right now, is probably the same frustration that Marcus Garvey felt, you know, when, when he's writing articles in 1919 and doing radio interviews saying, why don't y'all wake up? Why don't you stand up? You know, I, the, the, the stress and frustration he must have felt a hundred years ago talking to black people. You think that we're bad now. Imagine a hundred years ago trying to explain liberation to people who just got out of slavery. It, it probably would have drove the man crazy. He would have had a heart attack <laughs> at an early age. So my point is to say that, you know, you have to really keep the faith and believe in what you're doing and speak your truth and stand on that 
uh, and be very consistent with that. Because at the end of the day, I believe good ideas win. I also believe that passion wins. So we are very passionate about very good ideas that present very uh, meaningful, relevant, and effective solutions for the community. Things like not just powernomics, but all the things that these panels have been sharing today, that represents the future of the black community. That nonsense, that, that jigaboo crap, that represents the past. That that stuff, that shucking, driving, going along, just get along. Uh, I, I, I look in their eyes and I see how they react to us. And we are the conscious of black America. Stacey Abrams is saving America. We're saving black America. We're the ones who get into the consciousness of black folks who, who think that you're supposed to just go to church you, or, or go to go to vote because your pastor told you to go vote or you, you, you know, a Democrat told you to get your booty to the polls or somebody told you that same old line about your ancestors dying so you could be a Democrat. Even they are feeling guilty to a point. Now, it shows up as anger. Sometimes they'll just get outright mad. But the reason they're mad is because you're striking a chord. The hit dog always hollers. When people saw what Ice Cube and, and others, not just Cube, but a lot of people were, were, were basically saying, this is logical. If you vote for someone, they should give you something. They can't. You can't argue with that type of logic. You can't, argue, you, know, you can't argue with two plus two equals four. Stop it. Stop trying to tell me that it's 187 because you know that it's not. You know, you ain't that stupid. And, and so what you're seeing is you're seeing adjustments in their behavior. You're seeing adjustments in the language. Uh, you're seeing even that, that white folks are dealing with the black community differently. And even black folks are dealing with other black people differently because we are pushing the envelope. So I encourage everybody, just keep on pushing. You, you got to keep on pushing. I know it sucks. It's a heavy load. You feel like you're playing for the losing team. <laughs> you know, but, but I'm telling you, you keep on pushing. Then what happens is the future will vindicate you. You'll be able to say... Because I can tell you, I remember in the beginning when I first started talking about things like financial literacy and economic intelligence and all that, it was really hard. A lot of people didn't want to hear what I had to say, you know, And but I just said, I'm going to keep doing it and be very consistent with it. And that's what it's going to be. Well, over time, people started to evolve their thinking and then rappers started rapping about it and things like that. And, and you started to see the needle moving a little bit. So so let's keep moving the needle. We will win because we're the greatest people on the history of the planet. Uh, can't nobody stop us. So everybody type greatness in the chat. Let's walk away feeling great, feeling proud, feeling uh, proud of the fact that we sat here and talked to each other about this important issue. Everybody, please hit the thumbs up button, share, subscribe button. Please follow all the panelists that are on this chat. Please support them. These are our superstars. I want everybody on this panel to be famous and supported and respected and heard from. So jot down, take a screenshot, jot down all their social media and please, please, please follow them because that's that's how you build power. Right. The same way uh, a celebrity becomes famous because they made a great album or won a Grammy. Well, these these individuals are going to become famous because they're here talking to you. And I, and these are the ones I want you to respect first. If you could do that for me, I would appreciate that very much. And I want to say thank you very much to our panelists, Jeff Lightsey Jr., Miss Zakia. Uh, I'm going to call you that until I get the last part right. Uh, Madam President, uh, Tariq abdul Khalik and Miss Faye Bishop. So thank you all very much. Have a good night. And I uh, will see you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye bye.